0: Welcome to the Reinventing Education Podcast. A podcast, well, about reinventing education. I'm Rob McLeod, joined as always uh, with Brendan O'Leary of Wigan, England Town. And today we're discussing teacher-parent relationships in the mainstream school. How are you, Brennan?
1: Not too bad, Robert. Not too bad. We're gunning for the end of the year. Five weeks left.
0: The title of our episode today, Teacher-Parent Relationships in a Mainstream School. If you're not sure what a mainstream school is or a little hazy on what a traditional or progressive school might be in contrast with a mainstream school, fast forward to the last five minutes of this episode, or you can jump back to our 50th episode where we go into detail about all the jargon that we'll be using today. Uh, So Brennan, many, many, many moons ago, we discussed teacher parent relationships in a traditional school let's just do a quick refresh there and then we'll launch into the differences in the mainstream school
1: so what we said is back in those traditional days which still exist around the world you know the the traditional school is still um it's no longer the uh the, the largest number of schools you would encounter but there's still a lot of schools out there with that with the uh Traditional uh, mentality and and, uh, practices. In those kind of schools, you'd expect uh, parent teacher conferences, or as we call them in England, parents' evenings, uh, to happen twice a year, uh, often accompanied by a written report card. And the two key questions that you'd hear from the traditional leaning parent might be Is my kid behaving themselves, and where are they in the class rankings, i.e., are they? you know, kind of where they should be in terms of their academics. Um, And what the teacher says is often taken with a lot of respect and a lot of trust. Basically what they say is gospel in some ways. Um, Other information and communication in the school is often one way, as in it comes from the teacher directly to the parents. And it might be information about things like school trips or the end of year party or whatever. If you get information or communication outside of that, it's possibly because your child has not been behaving themselves or they haven't been putting their effort into their work. So that in a nutshell is kind of how um, you might find the parent-teacher conferences and the, the relationship between teachers and parents.
0: And if that's what we see as being different, there's kind of a different internal world as well. Like parents are viewed differently In the traditional school versus the mainstream school, traditional teachers or schools are going to try to kind of keep parents at arm's length. It's not that they don't like the parents. Often they have really good relationships with them, but there's this real clear sense of what's the parent's duty, what's the teacher's duty, what's the school's duty, these kinds of things. And it's sort of like the parent's duty is not to play a large role within the day-to-day school unless we're asking for some extra support at home. From parents, that kind of a thing. Really, a lot of traditional leaning schools actually see parents as a potential threat, not as a threat, but as a potential threat. And the closer they get in, and the more they're questioning what's happening, and the more information they're demanding, it's like there are more possible problems that could arise. And there's actually this sense of like possibly insult like you know the school is our realm this is our realm of mastery you know are you questioning my mastery as an educator are you questioning our ability to function as a school so that's sort of the the traditional view of parents as potential threats however the mainstream approach is more like we are on the same team we are working together to support the student. And by we, we mean the school, the teacher, the staff, and the parents. We're, we're in this together, and we're kind of teammates. And the more we know about each other's side of the street, the better we can work together, the more efficient, and more effective we can be to support the student's progress. And parents are really seen as a potential opportunity as something to be, I don't mean to diminish it here, but it's like to be utilized as a positive resource in terms of the student's ability to to achieve. So typically, you've already set this up a little bit about the parent-teacher conference. Let's talk about what you might see happening in the parent-teacher conference in a mainstream school and how that would be different from the, you know, is my child behaving, where are they in the class kind of approach.
1: Yes, so kind of ostensibly from the outside, it it does look quite similar. There's still a report card, there's still the twice a year meetings. One of the big differences is that the meeting itself is likely to discuss evidence and data and talk about actual measurable progress in terms of their standardized test scores or movement towards specific goals. as they get further up the school, into middle school and high school, relationships are like the qualifications that they're aiming for. But even in in the younger grades, you'll have reading levels and potentially kind of like the, the goals that they've been working on for the last few months and what progress looks like. And then it might run on the next steps and how we can push them at home. Of course, it will still talk about behavior and attitude to some degree, but it's less likely to be the focus. It's more likely that the focus of that conversation is going to be on the on the data and those goals in, in relationship with the curriculum. As we've said many times, the curriculum is really at the core of the mainstream schools, decision-making pro- process. And then you may even leave with however you want to call it two stars and a wish or next steps and goals that parents might leave with specific things they can work on at home and like you alluded to earlier parents are kind of utilized as this resource and parents are you know they understand that this is a beneficial kind of way to be included in your child's education and a positive way so that you know they're often uh, really asking for those goals and those next steps is a very common conversation to have like, what can I do to help my kid? As we've moved into a more mainstream kind of meritocracy, in theory, a system based on meritocracy and based on uh, communication and negotiation, collaboration, the teacher is no longer uh, trust is not always implicitly given to a teacher. Trust is, is earned. Teachers are approached with a critical mind. And that's why things like having data to back up and evidence to back up. Um, you know, I've said this story probably a bunch of times now, but when I was at you know at a parent teacher conference and I was often questioned on the levels of students by a, you know, a parent body that was was really, you know, approaching it with a, shall we say, a very critical mind. What would make sure you go into the go into the parent-teacher conference with the examples of the children's work, plus other kind of examples of other students. You know, you don't share the name or anything. These are kind of ex- exemplars that you would bring up and you would use them to compare and to say like, this is why we scored on the, on the rubric, this particular score. So it's really kind of like lifting the, the hood of the, lifting the bonnet of the car and showing in and saying like, this is how this is working. This is how your your kid is making progress. And and trying to build trust that way through transparency, through measurable, achievable kind of goals. And then uh, alongside that, this idea begins to emerge in mainstream school and flourishes in in a progressive education. But the idea of a student-led conference, the idea of it's not just the parent talking to the teacher. Now the student is in there. And even more than that, the teacher isn't even playing teacher has worked with the student to get them ready so they can share their work. And this idea of responsibility in the mainstream is to say, I can understand my work I can set my own goals and reflect on it. I'm responsible for my own progress to some degree. This is really making the case that the parent and the teacher and the child are all responsible. And the teachers, as we've said many times before, like that coach who's moving you along, but it is, they're not the master who you are, the apprentice of anymore. They're your coach.
0: Communication gets much closer, much more frequent, and just much more common as we move into the mainstream. So I know when I first started teaching, this is 13 years ago now, I certainly wasn't in a traditional school. I was in a very mainstream hints at progressive education in Ontario. But there was still this leg from the traditional mindset, which is parents shouldn't have your staff email address. That shouldn't get out to parents. There are ways you contact parents. Phone calls, still good to go. Some message boards, some things like that. But there was this idea that parents shouldn't have your direct Email contact. Now that's totally changed in the years since, and in fact, I would say that was already changing when I was teaching in Ontario. But every school I've worked at since, it's almost like one of the first things you do now is like, well, here's my email. So when we need to be in contact, here's how you get in touch with me. You know, and this idea of more interaction is welcome. There's still, you know, you will see some of these things in a traditional school for sure. But you know, there might be a, a homework book or a weekly planner. That's maybe one of the ways that families communicate back and forth. So, you know, the parents let you know, oh, they're going to get picked up early today and it's written there. And, you know, often a mainstream teacher, sometimes one of the first things they'll do in the morning is, you know, have some kind of morning routine and it gives them the five minutes they need to quickly flip through all the planners, especially in primary and check if there are any important note notices about something that happened earlier or, you know, something that's going to be happening later today. Mainstream schools, you're going to see the emergence of Uh, blogs, so classroom blogs or school blogs, or at least some kind of weekly or monthly newsletter. And of course, these will inform you about upcoming field trips or show you a few possibly photos or a quick write-up about a school event. They're likely also to have some kind of curricular connection as well to discuss upcoming learning goals or what specific curriculum objectives we're working on right now and how students are demonstrating their learning of those. As well, when parents are in contact with teachers we really want to have this ongoing thing of positive comments along with the negative so you mentioned in the traditional school brennan that you know no news is probably good news with a traditional teacher they're going to let you know when something's gone wrong the flip side of that is the mainstream teacher is going to also let you know about positive things that have been happening you know either some great work in class or possibly demonstrating some of the character strengths of the school values These sorts of things. And if it is something that's maybe more on the negative end of the spectrum, it won't just be, oh, for your information, this happened. It's likely to look like, for your information, this happened. And here's the plan we created, or here's the action steps we have. Or next time, if something like this happens, this is what we discussed. So it's not just information, it's information plus action.
1: Uh, In our school now, again, arguably as as an IB school, it's leaning more towards progressive, but The IB is kind of trying to, you know, make it a middle ground between, I'd argue, mainstream and progressive. And so, what we're seeing now is the standardized tests that we do, that data is shared, but it's it's shared in such a way that parents are hopefully able to understand it, use it, and take action on it. So, we do an information session first, and parents will understand how to read the data. And we try and make it as simple as possible and, and use. Um, it's not a single point of data. It's kind of like people have got three or four data points. So you can see the the trajectory of how they're kind of uh, gaining their skills or where it kind of leveled off a little bit and then trying to help parents to understand a little bit of the information. Of, okay, this means your or daughter is here. And then when you talk to us, we can give you some kind of pointers. So it's kind of using the data to align people to to, to how ha- again it's all the evidence kind of thing, isn't it? It's like your your son of daughter is here on this trajectory of the curriculum development and we're trying to help you to understand where that they, where they're at. Um you know what we might call grade level expectations to some degree. And so uh, you know, we'll get into the babies and bathwats a little bit, and it's not always in mainstream schools shared in that way or as, as clear, but I think in the healthier versions of of using that data, it's shared often. So, again, things like Rad's Kids that we both use in our school, which is a great reading program, you know, parents can um, take a look at what level their child is at and there are charts that can show you you know is it what 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 is the applicable grade level for your your child and and then you're you're probably having conversations on a semi-regular basis Um, especially if your child is behind academically then the the teacher will be talking to you more probably and helping you to support at home yeah so it's kind of that ongoing dialogue becomes part of the almost every day to the extent that there are drawbacks that you're accessible too much. And I understand why some schools wouldn't have, even to to this day, wouldn't have direct access by email. But many schools, there's multiple ways to to get in touch with teachers. And then you're kind of mediating that. What is too much? What's a good amount of communication for us to have? Uh, I know some schools, they, especially middle schools and high schools, they, they announce the grades and the comments as the units happen rather than this twice a year thing. And that makes a lot of sense. And, but, but then you have to put it in context for the parents because they, they're not living that day to day. So part of the mainstream is, so we're gonna show you this data, but we're also gonna put it in context and help you to understand it and help you to use it.
0: If we move on to the actual contact with the school in the first place, Let's start there and discuss admissions and new parents or new students to a school, because everything we've said so far is you're already at a school. This is once you're in the school, how often are you meeting with the teachers? What's the kind of contact between you and the school? But in a mainstream school, parents might have the option between various public schools or possibly even private schools, depending on where they're located. And you will see very different representations of the school between how a traditional school might present itself mainstream and a progressive school. Some of the characteristics that you see in the mainstream school is an emphasis about what's special and unique about us or the gems that this school offers that sets them apart from the other options. I'm not going to pretend that they just dismiss everything else about the academics and saying, well, we're kind of all the same. You know, you're getting 90% the same, but here's the 10% that's different. But that is, that 10% is the thing that's really going to be sold. It might be a unique pedagogy. might be a time of the day. It might be after school programs. It might be access to some kind of larger community group or, you know, one specific subject. We are a music school or we are the sports school, this kind of thing. So there's really going to be a push in terms of communicating with the parents that this is what's special and unique about our school. They are going to stress these are the opportunities, the clubs, the events that we can offer your child that the other schools won't be able to. However, in addition to that, they're definitely going to be slipping in some data, some charts, some comparison, some ranking saying, oh, and by the way, here are our test scores. And we're essentially communicating to you a promise that we are going to begin a coach-athlete, coach-student relationship to ensure that your child can do this can succeed can accomplish this
1: yeah and so yeah we say this a lot but if if in your mind you're like yeah of course of course that's simply because almost everything we know is the mainstream the mainstream does fill up 90 percent uh or so of our schools all around us. So, unless you've actually gone to a really traditionally leaning school where they might focus more on history and tradition and heritage and duty, or a really progressive school where they might talk about freedom and inclusion and, and choice. Uh, you're likely to hear these kind of things, and, and they'll, you know, the mainstream school is very, very canny. You know, they'll sprinkle in those other things, maybe a little bit about tradition and a little bit about heritage and duty and lineage, a little bit about freedom and choice and and inclusion. But at its core, it's going to be what you just described there, Robert, our special thing, our shiny thing, and and an our promise that your kid's going to have all these opportunities, and on top of that, they're going to make great academic progress. It's like of course but that's not neutral that is a mindset that is the mindset that we're currently in
0: and that mindset brings with it a lot of babies or good things so if we shift over to babies and bathwaters now first let's look at the good new things that this mainstream approach to communication with parents in school brings to the table because it really does solve a lot of the shortcomings of the unhealthy traditional approach to this. What this mainstream approach is attempting to do is move towards something more objective and away from just possibly biased individual opinions or gut feelings. There are, of course, healthy and unhealthy or uh, positive and negative expressions of the traditional approach to education. But I could argue that one of the least helpful areas of the unhealthy expression of the traditional is just this idea that that teacher's opinion is the gospel. And it is quite possible that that individual teacher might have a bias or just, a you know, we're all human beings, just a straight up irrational dislike of someone. And their opinion can really hold a lot of sway in a traditional school and can really hold a lot of sway in terms of that child's trajectory in life. This mainstream approach is attempting to be objective by doing what you laid out, bringing student work, bringing rubrics, showing these common assessment tools, comparing it to other pieces of work and saying, look, this, you know, we're trying to be as transparent as possible. We're trying to make what we're doing here as clear as possible. So, you know, this is fair. We're not being biased. This is an objective approach. And there's even something, arguably almost scientific about it with this idea of things being actionable and the coach teacher in a mainstream school saying well based on this data here's my best hypothesis of where we go next here are the actionable steps I'm going to take here are the actionable things that you can do let's do this and see if it yields the results that we're both hoping for here
1: yeah and harking back to this kind of newer idea of the student-led conference that's we're going into this idea of agency and responsibility for the students and maybe even adding more meaning again this is something that flourishes in the progressive school but the mainstream school seem sees the benefit of having students understand and be able to reflect and having that metacognition that idea of being able to set their own goals and, and talk about their own work and show understanding. And so that's something that's really kind of coming online in those student led conferences. One thing that becomes more conscious. And again, the traditional school, you say this healthy and unhealthy ways that it presents itself, but one of the Things that you, you you will hear in a, a traditional school student-led conference, a traditional school parent-teacher conference is that focus on what's wrong and what needs to change. Now, of course, that's still there in the mainstream, but there's an explicit attempt to balance it. So there's going to be two stars and a wish, or there's going to be two things that the kids are doing well and two things they can work on. And this just is aiming to celebrate and motivate by positivity as well as showing that there's things to work on without disheartening you with 10 things to work on. Let's focus on the, the one or two. This is a, again, as you get into the mainstream, that ability to, or that willingness, or even a necessity to focus on very specific criteria you know, the traditional, you could you could call it more holistic in some ways, but in the mainstream, it's like, okay, we're going to partition this off and talk specifically about areas you can work on. And then we're going to aim for a balance in that because we know that humans can be uh, motivated and demotivated by that ongoing kind of feedback.
0: And speaking of motivation, things are a two-way street here in the mainstream. This is this is very good. Both sides are motivated to stay in contact with each other. The sense of ongoing communication means that issues can be addressed much quicker, and more effectively, not allowing some things to escalate, or fester, or to become chronic problems. When there is this idea of like, oh well, you know, there's a problem now in November. I'll bring it up in January at the student uh, or the parent-teacher conference. You know, it just it allows a lot of time for things to get worse. And one of the benefits here of the mainstream approach is dealing with things immediately when they're brought up and not just these huge things. Of course, in a traditional school, two kids get in a fist fight or something, or there's some really bad bullying happening in the class when it's something large scale. Yes, of course, a traditional teacher is going to jump on it right away. But these kind of smaller things that can compound and perhaps lead to problems that may not have arisen had they been dealt with quicker. This is something the mainstream approach does much better. And it's a two way street. So the teachers kind of on guard saying, hey, heads up, parent, I'm letting you know this thing happened, and vice versa, the parents getting in touch with the teacher, saying, Oh, heads up, this has been going on at home or at karate club or, you know, in your math lessons, these sorts of things, this motivation to stay in contact, because you're on this team working together to solve these problems when they arise, and eliminate anything that's taking away the effective and efficient approach to student achievement is dealt with quickly we've had this conversation throughout the
1: years and you know in any school you work out there'll be traditional mainstream progressive parents as well you know and so some of the things that i've talked to with with traditional parents who come in and because of that trust or or different expectations about communication they many many parents will wait until that Heritage conference or until something is really kind of like escalated or built up and they'll come in and say this has been going on for two years or we didn't want to tell you because we thought you would fix it we didn't want to tell you because you, we know you're busy we didn't want to tell you because we thought that maybe there'd be negative repercussions for our children from from you or from somebody else if the if the bully or the bad you know the person hurting them find out and it's interesting, I started kind of preempting at the beginning of the school year when I talked to parents, I'd say, please come to me early. Don't tell me it's been going on for two years. you got to get in earlier than that. Of course, if it has, we'll still always work with you, but please don't let it get to that stage. You know, don't worry about me being too busy. This is very important stuff. Please come to me. I'm never too busy to help your, your kid. Um and yeah there will be no repercussions because in a in a place that we care about people and it's her, we we will look at their issues and we will help them and we expect that to happen from the everyone in the community and if they don't the consequences are for for those people that are not being irresponsible and respectful parts of our school they're not going to come back on your child or on you and it's interesting that those come back over and over again so every year we would have to reiterate and invariably at some point in the year that would raise its head again and we can have the conversation remember when i said this at the beginning of the year it's really important but now we know about this you know it's interesting that you know teachers that you know parents who might give a lot of respect and trust to a, a teacher might expect them to see things that they just wouldn't be able to see because it's not happening in front of them or the people it's happening to are not talking about it so at the mainstream, of life, you know, we want to get all of this out into the open. We want to talk about it early. We want to make actual strategies for how we can bring t- people together. We talked about conflict resolution a few weeks ago. We want to bring everybody together and really get, get this out in the open and really talk about how we can move forward. Um, it, it's one of the biggest things if you're a teacher to try and get those more traditional leaning parents on board. The the mainstream parents sure balance it, and then you know the odd one that maybe over communicates and then you have to have the conversation by okay all right let's let's work out how we can uh, communicate together um, but normally it's more the other way like I said the the traditionally parent who won't uh, communicate from from any justifiable reasons
0: and to quote one of our favorite Radiohead songs there should be no surprises no surprises at a conference and this again is on both sides of the street there should be no genuine huge surprises that we've been holding as teachers that we will only inform parents of at a parent-teacher conference as mainstream teachers and vice versa the parents shouldn't be bringing any giant bombshell information to you six months into the year for the exact reason you said we're mainstream teachers are giving parents this heads up at the start of the year if there's something. Be in contact with me immediately. Don't wait. Don't worry if I'm busy. Don't worry about repercussions. Don't worry about all these things. It's more important that you come and talk to me soon. And, you know, there's this idea of no surprises at the conference. We're solution focused. We're being preventative. We're trying to eye up what might be coming down the road. Deal with it together as a team before this happens. And, you know, long term too, sometimes in some school systems like the German system or others, you know, there'll be some of those decisive years where, or definitive years where you know decisions made in grade 4 if your child's on this track of school in grade 5 or this track and that largely rests on the teacher's decision. Well, you know, for example, this matched some of my experience. I was the grade 4 teacher, you're the one making those gymnasium recommendations within like the first 3 months of the school year. I've only known the kid for 3 months. I've known this child for 3 months and I'm making the decision about which track of school this kid is on for the rest of their life. It's like, it wouldn't be very wise to a mainstream teacher for me to be making that off of two and a half months worth of contact with the student. This needs to be a mainstream vertical and horizontal collaboration in order to make this decision. Parents need to be told throughout grade three or even grade two, where is your child in relationship to being on track to getting a gymnasium recommendation versus not. And there should definitely be no surprises, you know, in October in grade four of a parent being told, oh, there's no way your child's getting this recommendation. It's like, what? Where is this coming from? You know, so again, when we move into this mainstream approach to education, one of the pillars of it is horizontal and vertical collaboration. And communication no longer rests solely on the shoulders of one teacher but rather it's also distributed and spread across the school that benchmark things like this are being discussed all the way up and not just by one single individual for really important things like this. Yeah, absolutely. And that transparency
1: creates a trust and, you know, informed parents are more, more supportive and they're, they're less suspicious or maybe their challenges and their questions are informed. Um, and and data-driven, or, you know, kind of, they, they kind of, to some extent, understand the context when they're asking questions.
0: And it's interesting what you just said there, this idea of transparency creates trust. I would say transparency creates trust between a mainstream teacher and a mainstream leaning parent. Because for a traditionally minded teacher, this idea that parents are a potential threat that transparency, in theory, to some traditional teachers, is actually providing ammunition to that potentially threatening parent, who's going to follow up or not trust that things are being done the way that you say they are being do- being done. And I've had this conversation with some traditional parents, or sorry, with some traditional teachers, where I say, "Oh, I want to let the parents know about this in terms of the marking." Said, "Oh no, don't don't tell them that, because then you're going to be in trouble because they are going to come grilling you." And my thing is like, yeah, but I'm doing exactly what I'm saying I'm doing. So like, there won't be any issues with that. And then you get into these murky waters with some traditional teachers of like, oh, well, I I was kind of marking using my gut and not the objective rubric criteria or these sorts of things. So this does potentially create a lot of friction when you don't have both parties in that mainstream approach because you will get the opposite. I can be a mainstream teacher trying to make everything transparent to a traditional parent, and that traditional parent might just be like, why are you sending me this? I trust you. You haven't shown me any reason to doubt your ability. I don't really need a weekly rubric update (laughs) about the child. However, if you're a traditional leaning parent and you've got a mainstream parent who wants that transparency, you're not giving it to them, you are making them a threat because they are going to start demanding it. And they are going to want that validation of what you're doing through data through transparency through objectivity, quote, unquote.
1: Yeah, like you said, I think I think it's such a few things there about the matching up of the of these two kind of paradigms. And yeah, it's very interesting, we're getting into the, the nitty gritty of it, especially when two adults are coming together. We talked about how teachers in a mainstream kind of have to work together, but teachers in in a traditional, they don't necessarily have to collaborate or work together. This, regardless of who you are, you are going to come together and have that conversation. And if there is a mismatch, if there is a mainstream teacher talk to traditional parents, fair enough. I trust you, I don't need to know that. If there is a mainstream teacher total mainstream parent fantastic give me more how can we work on this together you flip that if there's a traditional teacher with a traditional parent i trust you fine all's good where's my kid in the class are they behaving themselves like you said traditional a traditional teacher with a mainstream parent and they're just gunning they're just like you're not none of yours it doesn't hold up How were you getting this information from? This is important stuff. You can't just make it up. I don't trust you. You're walking into this room as if I should implicitly trust you. I do not because nothing I'm seeing is is making me think that you are moving my kid in the right direction and helping me to do so.
0: Yeah, that is one of the relationships. So that traditional teacher with a mainstream parent that has the most potential for the most amount of conflict. You're going to see the largest fundamental conflict, <laughs> conflict between values or the largest clash between that one. And both sides are going to be playing completely different games that n- the other one is not going to play or not entertain. The mainstream-leaning parent is certainly going to trust you once they've kind of tested things out and they can see everything and there's the transparency. And that is not the thing that the traditional teacher is is going to present. They're going to not be willing to make things transparent. It's That's not your right as a parent. You don't have to know how this entire factory, how this entire machine, how this family, how this universe is running in here. That's, that's not my duty to inform you on these sorts of things. Now, we are being a little bit of straw man here, but if I look back over 13 years of where have staff and parents had the largest conflicts, the majority of them, or at least definitely the, the nastiest fights came from a traditional leaning teacher with a mainstream leaning parent.
1: And I view second in that. We'll get to this at some point. Is the traditional parent and the progressive teacher. But that's for another day. Um, so we talked about pretty much all the the babies, the so all the the great things, the babies, as we say. With maybe um, there's also this idea of motivation. You know, the fact is that this this um, more transparent and goal based, as with much of the mainstream, is is a way to motivate and, and and innovate and give people this idea that you know this is this is. Something that you can actually take opportunities in. You can you can move yourself forward. This is not a closed kind of uh, game or whatever. Um, so it kind of moves people in that direction. However, it's not all good, is it? So one of the things that a traditional parent mind um, see and this is a little bit of a straw man, but it just happened a, a, quite a lot, is that it, it's not really um, my duty to come up and do these parent teacher conferences anymore, or certainly not to the extent you're doing them, all of these student-led conferences and all of these weekly newsletters, like you say, this communication is like, I don't need this much, this is too much, just, just listen, just tell me twice a year that my kids behave in themselves and that they know all their times tables. And um, that's all I need. Again, that's a straw man. But it's kind of, you know, d- why are you over I don't need all of this. Well,
0: if we go back to talking about how a school advertises itself to potential families, there's been an arms race in terms of schools being able to market themselves effectively. And, you know, in the digital age, it's been websites or online social media presence. And the kind of base entry-level website for a school nowadays is, has a rather high point of entry. And there are some great websites, fantastic marketing, but unfortunately, at times, that doesn't actually reflect what is happening. And a school may do a great job of selling itself, but they might be over-representing some aspects of the school and completely underrepresenting some that make up possibly more of the day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month life within the school. So mainstream schools are going to do a good job of selling themselves, but they might be doing a good job of selling an image of themselves to parents that I'm not saying is fabricated, but it simply may not represent the whole picture of what's really going on. And some things may be at worst swept under the rug or just some simply not mentioned or omitted?
1: One of the things about the mainstream is that the transactional approach comes in, especially if you're paying in a in a, in a private mainstream school. I would argue in a, in a private traditional school that transactional uh, did not happen. Even though you were paying, you were not getting a service there. This was like you just paying for what we do. Whereas now it's kind of seen as like, almost like you joining the gym in some senses. I need to know what service you are providing. And on top of that, I need to know that you're promising that my kid will make this. It's like, whoa, I don't know if the school can promise progress. Maybe they can promise particular services. These clubs will happen. We have this level of support. But, you know, there's also sometimes an expectation from, from mainstream parents to be like, oh, no, 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 we we need Um, you to answer for everything we now need all of the responsibility for our kids progress to be on you and we want you to um make sure you coach them and guide them to be this olympic style athlete regardless you know whatever is going on there and um yeah it is possible there's unreasonable expectations we you know one of the main ways that schools and parents clash is when the expectations are not clear and not realistic. In a mainstream school, at least we begin to have conversations about expectations. Um, And in a healthy mainstream school, they would make that the focus, but it still isn't always the focus. And even so, you know, if you've got 200 sets of parents in your school or more, the chances that all of them are going to agree with your expectations is pretty low so that's uh, you know a criticism often heard
0: efficiency and effectiveness those are two of the things the mainstream approach always has on the radar all of this communication that we're discussing the extra time in planners weekly blogs newsletters a quick email information two stars and a wish all this stuff we're not questioning that it's not worthwhile we're not questioning that it's not useful however in the back of my mind, the mainstream corner, it's just like, how can we optimize this? What's the most optimal amount or most optimal approach to communication that we're getting the most out of? How can we like 80, 20 principle this? Are we getting 80% of the results from just 20% of the communication? Because this is requiring a lot of additional time. A lot of additional time during the day or more likely after hours In order to keep this up. We're not saying it's not worthwhile, but we do have to point out that this does add or can add a significant additional amount of time into the week for a teacher to meet some of these expectations or maybe new expectations of the degree to which they should be in communication with parents.
1: I'd actually say that a traditional or a progressive leaning teacher might also say that these aren't worth the time they're not actually adding anything meaningful certainly not all of these things so it's kind of you know maybe the newsletter is enough or maybe the the report card once a year is enough so it's it's coming again for there's expectations of what is enough and yeah that's a potential area for all teachers from all three mindsets to be critical of so it's, a, it's a difficult balance to get right again it's going to be parents who are asking for more and parents who are happy with less and th- there's no perfect answers. So it's an ongoing kind of debate. One of the arguments that a progressive teacher might make is that the same one we come back to a lot, that this is just this sporadic progress focused, hyper condensed goal setting focused um conversation that you have twice a year for 10 or 15 minutes with parents totally misses out on the humanity of the whole thing. Your child is in school and living their life for thousands of hours. and We get 10 minutes twice a year to talk about it. And the focus is going to be almost entirely on their academic progress. It's like, okay, the progressive teacher would move that focus towards a more holistic wellness and attempt to find more authentic ways to have parents understand where their child is and the meaning behind what is happening. They would criticize a lack of meaning and a lack of authenticity. And they would probably argue that even the student-led conferences are very inauthentic. The students prepare for a long time and they make goals and they have a portfolio and they share in a somewhat stilted way with their parents. It's like hmm, couldn't this be shared on any day at any time in any way? It has to be on these 15 minutes here in this very specific way. And we all turn up and we listen and then we go. It's like, I think you might be missing something about the nature of education if that's the only way we communicate what
0: we're actually doing. And to go back to that idea of the consequences or what can occur when you have a mismatch between traditional mainstream progressive parents and or teachers, you know, arguably, I've been in a more mainstream approach to parent teacher conferences. And I was doing sort of my first run through of the student led conferences. And I just flat up, flat out had a traditional leaning parent just say, I don't want my kid there. And these, these were their actual words. They just said, I don't care what my kid thinks about how they're doing. I care about how you think my kid is doing. Don't have my kid at this thing. (laughs) Like they were a bit more friendly about it than that, but they were very direct and very blunt. Just saying, don't get my kid involved with this. Like you say, we've only got these 15 minutes now and 15 minutes at the end of the year. That's my time to speak with you. And I don't want any of that watered down, period.
1: Yeah, and that that could come from a traditional or it could come from a hyper- you know, kind of focused mainstream parent. You'd have to get a bit more context to see whether like, no, the master knows. Or it's like, coach, we need to talk the nitty-gritty of how they're gonna get these, you know, these next uh set of goals met. Um hard to imagine a progressive uh leaning parent saying, no, the kid doesn't need to be involved in this. And I think that's that's the nature of the journey, isn't it? That there you go from the progressive you go from the traditional you're at an arm's length the master is talking then you start some the negotiation you're a little bit closer there's more communication maybe the kids got a little bit of say in it and then you get into the progressive and the kids the focus of it and it happens more uh, organically and, and more often and more meaningfully that's you know the way i've just presented that makes it sound like "quote unquote progress" but know it's not about that it's about what is right for you what resonates with you what's comfortable for you what is right in your context and as we've said many times there are places times and places and cultures where the traditional is the right approach and the mainstream is the right approach and the progressive is the right approach And that's what makes it so difficult there is no and we're all a bit of all of them and we all have our biases and our focuses and we don't know what's going to happen in the future we don't know how these will change or which one is again which one is right it's a very difficult decision but to uh, being more aware of where we're coming from i guess that's the purpose of these dis- these kind of discussions to say oh now yeah that was me i said that or i thought that way okay maybe that's i was coming from this perspective and it, maybe it's just helpful to know that the person I'm talking to is not coming from that perspective and doesn't mean they're wrong. Just means that's their perspective. It also doesn't mean they're right. It just means that that is their perspective and we need to get the context and work out what is uh, the what is the best for this particular context.
0: Parent, teacher, school communication. My gosh, Jeeves, I think we've done it. Done. Next up, we're still on the topic of parents, but shifting from the communication between school and parents, moving over to the actual roles that parents have within the school. So when they're in the building or involved with the organization of the school, what are some of the mainstream roles that we'll see parents playing?
1: Yeah, and as I said, it was gunning for the, the summer in school, and uh, we're gunning from the edge, for the end of this mainstream set of episodes. I mean, what is must be like 30 of them or whatever. Um, and I think well, we're down to the last three, unless we can sneak in 10 or 12 more subjects. Listeners, tell us, are there any areas we haven't covered? Maybe the types of handkerchiefs that, that people carry in their pockets so the uh the The height of doors the the height of the doorways in the uh, mainstream traditional schools yes there's nothing we can't analyze
0: through those three lenses and all that you need to do is email us at reinventing education podcast at gmail.com reinventing education podcast at gmail.com reinventing education podcast all one big giant word No underscores, no periods. Don't hit the space bar. All one big, giant, juicy word. We await. We await your wisdom. Thanks, Brendan. Thanks, Rob. And now time for the Reinventing Education, Three Types of School in a Nutshell. If you're new to us, hopefully this is a helpful guide to navigate some of the terminology we use on our podcast. All right, so every school and every educator is in a tug of war. And we're pulled in three different directions. Each of the three directions has its own definitions about what makes for a good education. But this tug of war is difficult to notice. Because the three directions to education each use the same vocabulary. But each of the three directions has their own definitions for what that vocabulary means. So let's characterize these three approaches with the following names. Traditional mainstream, and progressive. and Let's connect each to its relationship between a student and teacher. So traditional uses a master and apprentice model, mainstream uses coach and athlete model, and progressive uses a counselor and counseled model. Now these three approaches to education would agree on the surface that education has the same three aims. Those three aims of education are for occupational preparation, the cultivation of citizenship, and self-development. However, each of the three approaches to school, traditional, mainstream, and progressive, has completely different ideas about what occupational preparation, cultivation of citizenship, and self-development requires. So how does each of the three approaches to education meet the three aims of school? Well, with traditional, master, and apprentice, we see that the teacher is an expert and knows the one best way for students to achieve academic success and meet the three aims. In the mainstream, the Olympic coach and athlete model, the teacher works to assess and create each student's individual optimal way, balancing the effectiveness and efficiency to achieve maximum academic success in relationship to the curriculum to meet those three aims. And finally, the progressive, the counselor and counseled, The teacher and student negotiate the student's path to achieve their goals for academic success to meet the three aims. Each teacher will have a preference towards one approach, while the school itself may have an overall consensus, and this is where you'll find the tug of war. These three approaches not only define how an education is conducted in the classroom, but it also informs three different directions in terms of a school's organization, its culture, and its practices. The traditional master and apprentice requires a clear pyramid of authority, prioritizing security along with duty and tradition, putting trust in those in authority to uphold their duty for the integrity of the system. The mainstream coach and athlete uses a flowchart with a mobility for all, which serves as a flexible meritocracy of authority, prioritizing achievement along with measurable progress and transparency towards meeting specific goals putting the results of those in authority as important for the integrity of the system. And finally, Progressive Counselor and Counseled uses horizontal leadership like a circle, prioritizing inclusion along with individuals' needs for meaning and empowerment, putting the personal and group significance as important for the integrity of the system. We often see tugs of war between how to organize the overall structure, either reinforcing the pyramid, a flowchart, or a circle. Each of these three types of school can be done well, somewhat effectively, or poorly, and each can suit a specific context better than the rest. Here on Reinventing Education, we believe it's better for a school to choose the type of school that best suits its students, staff, and community context, and do it to be high functioning. Otherwise, the ongoing tug-of-war between the three approaches comes at the expense of time, resources, passion, and relationships well, not even ensuring that any of the three approaches is done well. Here on Reinventing Education, we are exploring the idea of the next type of school, a post-progressive approach to education that prioritizes the integration of these three previous types of school. Why? Well, an integration approach would seek a flexible and adaptive balance of the three previous approaches as an adaptive approach To inquire into and provide what is deemed a best fit for students, community, and the system in a given context to best meet those three educational aims of occupational preparation, the cultivation of citizenship, and self-development as defined by those involved. The integration value attempts to maximize the gifts when appropriate of each approach to education while discerning how to minimize unnecessary drawbacks that are required when in wholly investing in doing one approach. In order to integrate the gifts of the three previous types of school, we need to know what we have to work with. So on our podcast, we're digging deep into these three types of school and trying to tease apart the babies and the bathwaters of each one.